We are live. Thank you, Ryan Trower, for confirming that. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our first edition of Free Trail Friday. Of course, my name is Dylan Bowman, joined by my good friend and our guest co-host this week, Mr. Eric Sensman. This is our first edition of this new, what we hope to be, weekly live stream. So I want to tell you a little bit about it before we get started here. Of course, the main podcast, which you might be familiar with, is mostly a one-on-one interview show. In fact, our co-host today, Mr. Eric Sensman, has been a guest on that podcast. And the idea with Free Trail Friday is to be more of a newsy show, to be a little bit more informational, to talk about all the news and happenings that is happening within our wonderful sport of trail and ultra running. And this week, of course, we are going to be breaking down tomorrow's big race at the Black Canyon 100K, uh, a race that our esteemed co-host has been on the podium at three separate times. So a perfect person to join us for this first one. Um, and the chat feature is enabled here in the live stream. I'm going to do my best to monitor that, uh, but feel free to chime in there. Let us know where you're tuning in from. Let us know who you're rooting for this weekend. And I'll try and capture some of the stuff from there. If you have questions or whatever, to the extent that I can over the course of the next, I don't know, 30 to 60 minutes, we'll see how long it takes to go through it today. Um, but uh, yeah, before we get to our co-host, Mr. Sensman, I just want to say a quick thank you to those who are tuning in and also a massive thank you to Aura Ring. Actually, this thing on my hand right here, Aura Ring uh, has been a fantastic supporter of ours here as we try to start a cool ultra running media company here. And they have been very generous to sponsor this Free Trail Friday series. It's an amazing piece of wearable technology that I've been using for many years and uh, an awesome thing to sort of monitor your health, your sleeping, your readiness and things like that. In fact, not to brag, but my sleep and readiness has been phenomenal recently because I've been off the booze, Mr. Sensman, for like six weeks, about the longest I've ever gone off off alcohol in my entire adult life. That's um, impressive, Debo. Thank you. Thank you. I'm actually quite proud of it, honestly. But And I feel amazing. But we'll talk about that some other time. But a massive thanks to Aura. And for those who are watching live, there's a link in the description where you can get 50%, or I'm sorry, $50 off the Gen 3 ring, as well as six months free subscription to the Aura software. Again, it's a great product. I would highly recommend it. So if you're in the market, you can take advantage of that amazing offer. There's a link again in the description of the YouTube. Okay. That was a nice long uh, rambling introduction. Mr. Sensman, how are you, buddy? Where are you broadcasting from? Debo, we're here uh, in the Air Vipa offices. We got a nice backdrop here. Um, this whole thing looks more professional than I think uh, it maybe is, but you know, fake it till you make it, right? Yeah, well, before we went live here, we were just uh, both scrambling to get our technology oriented, but we have like these amazing sets and cameras and we look very professional, but looks can be deceiving sometimes. <laughs> I guess, uh, you know, obviously uh, you've run this race a number of times and we're going to go through the course, the conditions, the fields for the weekend. We're going to make some predictions as to who we think might win the race this weekend. And then we're going to tell people where they can follow along the action. But first of all, why aren't you racing this weekend? You're a three-time podium finisher. You live just up the road in Flagstaff. What's going on with you in training? And how come you're not stepping to the start line tomorrow? 
Yeah, I mean, every year I, I want to be on that start line. Um, I was training for the race, but uh, I was in uh, the Grand Canyon for a training run with my buddy Tim Frerichs back in December. Uh, felt something not quite right in my hamstring, went to my PT and it was uh, a strain um, of a, ha a hamstring tendon in the upper hamstring. So still able to run is sort of injury. You got to, you know, time off doesn't help, but, you know, it's like 45 minute jogs our jogs, not quite what you would want to be doing, uh, to prepare for the black Canyon hundred K. Yeah. Especially with the field that is assembling, uh, tomorrow to battle for three golden tickets that are on the line tomorrow. So actually we should probably set the table on the golden ticket discussion and talk about why there's three available this weekend instead of two. You want to just walk us through that quickly? Yeah. So typically there would be two and that's been true in the past. Um, for example, I've finished third at this race twice. Once I got a golden ticket, once I didn't, um, because, uh, if someone finishes ahead of you who already has entry to Western States, then those tickets, uh, will go down the line as far as fifth place. But the Tarawira hundred K New Zealand was canceled. Um, therefore there were two extra golden tickets on the men and women's side. Uh, and it was decided to add those to, uh, black Canyon, uh, this weekend. And then the canyons hundred K in April. Yep. So there's going to be the, the tickets will go three deep or, or if one of the individuals who finishes in the top three already has a ticket, then it'll get bumped down to fourth. If two individuals in the top four have them, it'll get bumped down to fifth, but it'll bump no lower than fifth, but there will be six golden tickets awarded tomorrow. And I think most of our competitive professional field is there with that goal in mind. There's not many people in the professional field who do have tickets secured already, but we'll talk about them in a sec. Eric, first, let's start talking about the course. You know this course like the back of your hand. Not only have you done the race three times, but you've also, like we said, lived just up the road in Flagstaff. And I know you and your buddies uh, up there in Flag often come down, especially in the winter months, to train on the Black Canyon Trail. So talk about the, the trail itself and, um, and, and the course and sort of what some of the challenges are. If you look at the course profile, it looks very, uh, well, not intimidating, right? Um, there's not a lot of climbing. Uh, there's quite a lot of downhill. It is a net downhill course, um, as you can see here. So you start around 4,000 feet, um, and then you finish it around 1800 feet. Uh, so you're getting a lot of downhill. So yeah, nothing about that looks, um, especially challenging. Um, the difficulty with this course, uh, Dylan is a couple things. One, it's constantly moving. So although there might not be a significant amount of vertical gain, um, the course is winding in and out of washes, uh, up and down, um, through Creek beds, uh, at times it's, it's pretty rocky. Uh, it's not, it's not smooth. So it's these little things that, um, it wouldn't make a difference uh, or much of a difference if it was a 50K, uh, but because it's 100K, because you're out there taking 80,000 steps um, or more, uh, it just adds up. And so the the toll that um, this course takes on people, you can't really see in the course profile. Um, it is very much part of the environment. And not to mention... <clears throat> the high in Phoenix tomorrow is 83 degrees. Uh, so it's going to be warm. And at this time of year, February, uh, nobody's seeing those temperatures really. So, um, that that's kind of an X factor that is going to slow people down for sure. No doubt. Well, let's talk about the weather here in a second, but I just had Jim Walmsley on the podcast and just in sort of a passing comment, he said that 
Black Canyon runs much tougher than it looks on paper and that he thinks people should be doing more vertical in their training than this course profile that we're seeing on our screen here would necessarily uh, uh, you know, encourage them to do in their training. Uh, is that an accurate characterization in your mind? I mean, does it feel like the course is a little bit slower than this sort of net downhill sloping you know, seemingly smoother course looks on uh, your Strava profile that we're looking at here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, this is last year. Um, it is certainly slower than it looks on this course profile. So think about uh, on the men's side, the course uh, The course record is uh, seven hours, 52 minutes, I believe, um, Sage Canada. And that was back in, gosh, was it 2016, um, 15 or 16 Debo? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, Sage had been trying to achieve an Olympic, uh, trials qualifier in the marathon. And he had, I think just a month before black Canyon run 220 um, at the Houston marathon. So he came in with a huge speed base and that translated well for him, uh, you know, in achieving that course record that, um, has not been matched. And in fact, only two people have broken eight hours on this course on the men's side. Um, um, and, and the other is Hayden Hawks who, you know, track background, um, very fast in college D one runner, um, is still very fat. So I think the speed is probably, uh, what is played into the favor of those faster times on this course. Yeah. Well, interesting. And so again, we're looking at, uh, Mr. Sensman's Strava from his amazing second place finish at the 2021 black Canyon hundred K. And we see here that it is a point to point course. Uh, Eric, why don't you tell us a little bit about like the technicality of the course? And maybe as we look at this course profile here, where some of like the crux sections are for the yeah. professional field. You're uh, I'm getting goosebumps just looking at this, yeah. um, man. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, if you, if you, the, the first, uh, 19 miles you start, um, at mayor high school. Uh, and then it goes to, uh, the bumblebee aid station is, uh, around mile 19. So you're getting a lot of downhill. You can see at the dip there at the bottom, that bumblebee aid station, a lot of downhill in that first 19 miles. This is also the smoothest section of trail. Um, Seems like you could, it'd be a big speed trap, right? It'd be easy to go out way too hard here. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, but the problem at the same time is if you, if you don't, keep the pace honest in those first 19 miles, you're going to, you're going to be in a hole. Um, so, so then the question is, do you have the mental fortitude, uh, the, the ability mentally to allow this gap to be created, uh, believing that you can make that up later on. It's a really, really tough thing to do, uh, for, for competitors, I would say. So yeah, while you, you can hold off, um, in that early sections when it's that early section, when it's especially fast, um, it's tough. That's a tough thing to do. No doubt. And looking at your splits here again from the 2021 race, it looks like only two miles were above seven minute pace in those first 20 that you mentioned are quite fast. Yeah. So we can expect the professional field to be moving at a very quick clip tomorrow morning when they start uh, just after 7 a.m. tomorrow. So what about like technicality? And as we look at the profile here, 
what are some of the crux moments of the race? I would guess it's probably these two sort of later climbs in the race, but what are the the tough <clears throat> sections as somebody who knows the trail intimately? Yeah. So as you mentioned, uh, you know, me, uh, me and some of my buddies in Flagstaff have run this trail. I mean, every section probably a dozen times. We've always thought it's, it's just actually before that, uh, around mile 26, right before that big descent. Um, you go through an aid station called Antelope Mesa around 25 miles. And it's really after that, that it starts to get, I would say real. Um, the course starts to be a little bit more technical. Um, you've already got 25 pretty quick miles in your legs. That's really what matters. If the race started at Antelope Mesa, it'd be a different story, but given that you've run 25 miles, that descent, um, is really abrupt, uh, soon after. And then the course just never it just never stops moving after that. Um, it's just constantly rolling in and out of, of the, the foothills of the, the Bradshaw mountains. And, uh, it, it's just, it, it beats you to death. Um, so, so really from that descent, all these little, uh, ups and downs you're seeing that, I mean, they're almost, you almost can't see them, um, on this profile because it's so long, but they're, they're these just short punchy climbs and, they look like nothing as we're, we're viewing it here, but they just, they add up. Um, so from that antelope, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I had said antelope Mesa, Gloriana mine aid station around mile 24, 25 from there to the finish. I would say that it's a tough course. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it, it stays moving. It stays technical. There are some larger climbs later in the race. Uh, and, and that's, that's where people start to have problems. Yeah. So for those who will be watching from home, I think it'll be interesting to see who is out front early, who stays disciplined and makes a late charge. And remembering back to last year's race, Tyler Green was well back of the lead group through these early miles and then slowly sort of picked everybody off until he finally won, uh, arriving to the finish line in first place, narrowly beating our co-host, Mr. Eric Sensman. And I recall there was some amazing drama on the Aravipa live stream last year, which you're going to be anchoring. And we'll get to that a little later in our conversation. But I think it was from this Table Mesa aid station where T Tyler had basically caught the, uh, the leader up to that point, whose name is escaping me. Now you came through a little bit crampy, but then rallied and ended up making up some time on Tyler. So maybe just like, give us a quick synopsis of this last 10 or 12 miles here. Cause it looks to me on paper, like the race really could come down to this, uh, this section of the course as it did last year. I think that's right, Debo. And it was Craig Hunt, uh, also of Flagstaff who was leading, um, at that point. Uh, and, and, and yeah, Tyler passed him soon after that aid station. So, and you're right that a lot can happen in those last 12 or so miles. So for example, I came into table Mesa, um, I believe four minutes behind those guys. I stayed there for six minutes. Um, so I had a 10 minute deficit. I ended up passing Craig about two and a half miles out of the aid station. So he had significantly, I mean, he was walking. Um, and then if you actually go back even further in time, I believe it was maybe 2015, uh, when Dave Mackey was in the lead going into those last 12 miles, uh, and, and he was passed, um, by Ford Smith. Ford Look at, Smith. We're going way back. We're going way back, man. Time machine. <laughs> this, this race has got some history. So, yes. so yeah, the, the, 
it, it looks worse than it is. The, these climbs uh, are not terribly steep. Um, the most consistent climbs uh, in terms of how long you're climbing are those those last two you see on the course profile. Uh, the one starts just before mile 40, and then that last one starts um, about mile 50. And it's never very steep, but you do get two to three miles of consistent uphill um, at those two climbs. Yeah. And again, you can rip every section of this course on its own. It's, it's where these things come on course that make them so challenging. Uh, and, and you get the majority of the climbing in the last 25 miles of this race and, and you're on tired legs that have been clipping off, you know, a pretty swift pace to that point. So awesome. that's what makes it tough. Well, great insights. We appreciate that. And before we move on from our little course discussion here, I'll just remind our viewers that the Western States 100 also kind of has a similar profile to this, a net downhill, but with some sneaky, tough stuff at near the end of the race. So it's a good simulator for those who will be battling for the golden tickets, for those who do accomplish that goal and step to the start line in June in Palisades Tahoe at the Western States 100. This will be a great dress rehearsal. So I'll stop sharing my screen now. Sensman, let's talk about the conditions. You mentioned it uh, earlier that it, we're looking at a high of 83 degrees in the area tomorrow. How, do you, how does it feel there in Phoenix now? Does it feel warm? And how do you think it'll impact the field? It's warm. I was out this morning about 8.30 uh, on a run with my dog and he, uh, about a couple miles in, he had, we had to turn around. He, he was getting warm. Um, so it's, uh, it, again, 83 degrees, I don't know, object for Phoenix, not that warm, right? It can be 115. Yeah. Um, it's the time of year. It's February. Nobody's seeing 83 degrees. So, so when you're out there on course, you're exercising in seventies in mid February, it, it, it's going to feel a lot, lot warmer. And, and the athletes will start to feel that as, as early as Bumblebee aid station around mile 19. Um, because at that point you really dip down and, uh, you're at a lower elevation. It's been a few hours, you know, it's nine, 10 AM. Um, so really from there to the finish, they're going to have to, in order to succeed, they're going to have to deal with that heat. No doubt. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think for a lot of these athletes who aren't training in the Arizona area or maybe Southern California, I hope they've been doing a little bit of heat training. It's very counterintuitive to be doing that so early in the season. Uh, but again, this race is similar to Western States in more ways than just the course. I mean, they're going to be experiencing similar environmental conditions. And uh, yeah, my prediction is with an 83 degree high tomorrow, those who live in cooler, maybe mountainous environments at higher elevation, typically that's like an advantage in racing, right? Just because of the altitude stimulus. But uh, here it could be a disadvantage and we could see some major carnage in the second half of the race as things do get warm. If these athletes who are going to be pushing quite intensely again, because of the depth of competition that we'll get to in a second, it could lead to some spectacular carnage in the second half of the race. When you combine tough conditions with tough competition, explosive things happen. So, uh, that's my, my prediction leading into the race. And then I know, you know, 
it's been a fairly dry winter throughout the West. I'm assuming it's been dry there in the Phoenix area as well. I know a few years ago there was a reroute because of some washouts. Do you know anything about like the course conditions right now? Is it just bone dry and typical? Yeah, well, it's it's atypical because of how bone dry it is. So um, there are uh, about four significant water crossings on, well, potential water crossings on the course. Um, only two of them currently have water. And well, I sh- I sh- as of three weeks ago, the last time I was on the course. Um, so not only is it warm, but you have fewer opportunities to cool soak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool off, get wet. So it has been really dry and, uh, and, and the river's very, very low. Uh, I mean, you can get across it, uh, right now, those two water crossings that are, uh, there is water. You can get across it without ever stepping in the water. It's so narrow. You can just kind of pick over the rocks. Whereas I've done training runs in January where you were up almost to your, your chest, wow. uh, crossing the water. So it's, uh, yeah, it's very low. Wow. Well, 83 and sunny and warm sounds amazing to me right now, <laughs> but not for running just to go, uh, bask in the sunshine and work on my suntan. But yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting day out there tomorrow, uh, with the conditions and, uh, the competition. So let's start talking about the competition. Now the fields that are assembling are quite impressive, of course, the major incentive for a lot of these athletes is to secure the golden ticket to the Western States 100. Basically, what Eric and I are going to do is just kind of bang through some of the favorites and maybe some of the dark horses in both the men's and women's fields. So, Sensman, let's start with the women's race. Who are some of the characters in the race that you anticipate or that you characterize as part of that classification of favorites who will likely be contending for the golden tickets. When I look at these golden ticket races, I'm always looking at who's gotten a golden ticket before. Um, I think there's a lot to be said about experience and past success. Um, that's not always the case, but, uh, I I do think it gives you uh, a little bit of an advantage. So in both the men's and women's field, uh, if I, if I did my count right, Debo, we have, uh, four athletes in both fields that have previously won a golden ticket. So for me, that, that is the highest tier of, uh, potential competitors on the women's side. Uh, again, if I have this right, um, that's EO Wang, that's, uh, Addie Bracey, that's Taylor Nolan, and that is, uh, Marianne Hogan. Those are the four, um, who have, who've gotten the golden tickets and Marianne Hogan was actually at Bandera just last month. So, um, I don't even know, is she lining up? having already gotten that golden ticket? That was a question for me as well. I was hoping that you had inside info because again, Marianne Hogan is a Canadian, I believe. And she, as you mentioned, just won the Bandera hundred K earning her golden ticket into Western States. So there's a chance that she may not show up because she doesn't need the ticket. And the other thing is she had raced ultra trail Cape town just before Bandera. Right. So if she's doing black Canyon, that'd be 300 K's in only a two months to two month time. So yep. we'll see if she steps to the start line. So not only that, so you have those three, you have EO, you have, uh, Addy, um, and you have, uh, Taylor, but then you have two, two past Western States winners. Now, one of them's Pam Smith. Uh, her win was, uh, some years ago, but nevertheless, she, she is a, uh, she's got a, a Cougar trophy. Um, and yeah. then you have Claire Gallagher, uh, who won the race. Uh, she passed me at Western States, uh, in 2019. 
It was I think it was 2019. Yeah, she won, she if won. Yep. yep, yep. I was walking uh, the wrong way on course to to bail at an aid station as she flew by. So so you have um you know uh Claire and and Pam adding experience depth uh, uh to this race as well. And then um finally on the women's side in terms of I guess what you would call maybe that top tier of of competitors um you have uh I I hate I'm I'm going to get her name wrong Debo so this is <laughs> this is going to upset me but, uh Mariah Vargas I think is how okay. you say it okay. uh Mariah but she was fourth at Black Canyon in 2021 okay um and she ran a very solid time 9 hours 36 minutes so um again with these golden ticket races the other thing I like to look at is have they run this course before and how have they performed? So if you have people in the field who have raced well, uh, in the past on the course, I think, um, you know, that's a mark in favor of, uh, of maybe being near the front this time. Yeah, no doubt. Well, yeah. Thanks for your little assessment there. I think one name that you may have overlooked is Anne-Marie Madden from Vancouver, British Columbia. Actually, you know, I think incredibly highly of Anne-Marie. She doesn't race a ton. She's one of those people who's a overachiever and everything. I think she's like an emergency room doctor or something and has to squeeze her training around a very serious uh, occupation, uh, but certainly somebody who always shows up and is really, really consistent. So Anne-Marie Madden, again, from Vancouver, British Columbia, the environment up there couldn't be any any more different than uh, what she's going to be confronting in the desert this weekend. But I know those uh, Canadians love to take sun-based vacations this time of year, every year. So Anne-Marie Madden, I would add to that favorites list as well. Uh, indeed. Indeed. Yeah. So if we go outside just the, that more specific realm of who's gotten a golden ticket before, who's done yeah. well Black Canyon before. Absolutely. Um, uh, I would add her name to the wrist list. Uh, you have Devin Yanko, um, yeah. again, a lot of experience. Um, she has a lot of, uh, race results under her belt. Uh, and then you have a few, uh, ladies who have run the 60 K at Black Canyon, uh, and have done well, um, that I think would, would have a good chance at translating that um, to the full hundred K, uh, my list Debo. So we, we had a, a fifth place finisher, um, Megan, uh, Coupre. Yep. I think that's how you say it. And she's from Phoenix. Um, so, so cert- I think she could be in the mix. Uh, you have, um, uh, she, there was a, uh, did you watch any of the chasing gold uh, series ahead of this. I haven't been able to, okay. but everybody's been recommending it to me. Yeah. 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 So Aravipa did this uh short, you know, they're like 15 minute videos chasing yeah. gold. They interviewed, uh, some of the contenders, but another one was, uh, Corinne, uh, Chalvoy, yeah. um, out of Colorado. She was third in the 60 K, um, last year. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you look at this list on both the men's and women's side. And if you just look like w- you know, we compiled this and we have all the race results, um, from all these women, uh, and men. And I mean, I think there's a lot of people, if they have a good day, they're, they're going to be in contention. Yeah, I agree. There's no like clear favorites, but you've ticked through, I think most of the main characters in the field. I just want to give a couple of shout outs to those, uh, from the Pacific Northwest. Marianne Falk is in the race as well. This is her first hundred K I train with her in the gym every Tuesday night up in Portland, <laughs> Oregon, uh, with a great group up there. We call ourselves the Walsh Wallabies. Marianne Falk <laughs> is in the race, uh, and she's a very, very talented athlete, but this is her first 100K. 
Also, Caitlin Jacobson from Issaquah, Washington, really, really talented athlete. And uh, I know she's been training really well. So add those two plus Pam Smith. That's the Pacific Northwest contingent. In addition to Anne-Marie Madden, she's Canadian, but we'll, uh, you know, she, <laughs> Vancouver still technically the Pacific Northwest, but yeah, some, some great, uh, characters in the women's race. And I agree, no major clear favorite, which means it's going to be massively exciting race tomorrow. So let's transition over to the men's race where it's equally dense, if not more. So let's talk about the favorites. Who are you looking at for tomorrow's race? Um, yeah, this is, I, I would love to be in this field. This would be a lot of fun yeah. um, with, with, with the gentlemen assembled here. And let me quickly say to D both um, one or two relevant things with respect to the course, the challenges that I've mentioned, how windy it is, how it's constantly moving. Uh, and then secondly, the, the warmth and, and how, how hot it'll be on race day. Um, if you live in Arizona, I think you have an advantage. Uh, because you've been, the, the, the real problem, if you've been in a proper winter is a lot of your running is going to have been on roads on packed snow. Uh, you're not going to have run as much as many miles on this kind of winding single track. Mm -hmm. And the result is that you just, you haven't developed the endurance and the stamina and the strength in those small stabilizer muscles. And it, it really catches up with you. So I think anyone who's had an opportunity, uh, to run on this course at all, um, or to run on single track flowy single track is going to be at an advantage. Um, so having that said, uh, Jared Hazen is, is certainly someone that, uh, could win this race. Um, he, you know, trains in Flagstaff. He's been under Jason Coop, uh, is his coach, uh, just like you. Yeah. Um, and that's led to some success. <laughs> uh, so I mean, we we're just talking about this before we went live. I mean, Jared Hazen has had a couple of recent developments in his life. He's being coached finally. And, you know, for those of us who are big fans of Jared's, I think one of the, uh, frustrations maybe that we've had is, I mean, he's an amazing athlete. He's accomplished incredible things, including running the second fastest time in Western States history, but he's a massive volume trainer. It's it led to him getting injured a number of times. And you've said that he's really dialed back the total volume. So I'm really excited to see how that impacts his performance tomorrow, but also to break the other news for us here, Mr. Sensman. With respect to Jared. Yes. <laughs> new sponsor. He's with Solomon. He is, uh, yeah. On the Solomon, uh, international team, uh, which, which is a big deal. I mean, the, those are some of the best runners. I mean, he's teammates with Francois. Yeah. So, uh, in Courtney DeWalter. Um, so yeah, uh, I think a step, uh, forward for, for him in terms of where his career is going. Um, hopefully that gives him, uh, added belief in himself that, that yeah. Solomon saw, saw that in him. No doubt. So aside from Jared, who again, I'm sure has been training on the course, he lives in flag, not far away. Uh, who are some of the other favorites that you're looking at for tomorrow? Yeah. A few names do stick out to me. Um, and again, some of these guys are guys that have won golden tickets, including Jared. He's won Montreal cup tickets going, going way back, but, um, and he's still only like 27 or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's crazy. That's what happens when you start at 17, I exactly. guess. Um, but, uh, Anthony Costales, um, I mean, he, he's shown that he can run with, uh, some of the best in the sport over hundred K, uh, winning canyons, hundred K last year, um, and getting that golden ticket, unfortunately wasn't able to line up at Western States, but, um, you know, 
if his training went reasonably well, he has a good day. I don't even think he needs to have a great day. I have a hard time seeing uh, three guys beating him. I agree. Yeah. Mega talent. I had him on my podcast after his victory at the Canyons 100K last year, and I'm sure he's hungry to get back to Western States healthy after not getting to toe the start line after securing a golden ticket last year. So he's back. I'm sure he's got a fire under his ass for tomorrow, hoping to secure his second golden ticket. Who else you got in the favorites list? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how Adrian McDonald does. Uh, so he won Leadville uh, the, this past summer in a very good time. He was out front the whole way and came um, out of nowhere. I mean, I had yeah, no idea who right. he was. Yeah. So I I'm less, uh, I suppose confident w- without as much history, uh, in, in the sport, uh, just doesn't mean he can't do it. I, I just don't know. Um, but certainly curious about him. And then I've got a bunch of guys I think could be, could get that third spot. I really, well, and you know, if things don't go well, uh, everybody has, uh, days where they DNF, you know, if, if, uh, things don't go well for some of the guys up front that opens the door, but, um, let's see, you have Seth ruling, uh, who, who ran the race last year. He DNF'd, um, but I spent quite a lot of miles with him and then he went on to have a great season. Um, uh, the rest of 2021. So I think Seth, uh, has a good chance. Uh, Craig hunt is, uh, listed in, in the starters. Um, again, he led led the race for much of the 2021. Yep. Led through yeah. 51, 52 miles. So I think Craig, um, you know, if he's gotten in good shape is certainly, certainly going to be, um, near the top. Um, Let's see, Debo. So we have another Canadian, uh, Elliot Carden, yeah. uh, who got a golden ticket at Black Canyon in 2020 when he finished third. Uh, he ran 819. I mean, that's that's a very solid time. Um, I, I believe at the time it would have been the fourth fastest time on the full course, fourth or fifth fastest. So, um, yeah, that that certainly proves uh, you know he's done it before. Um, I've got a handful of other guys. Why don't you, why don't you yeah. hop in? While yeah, I'll, I'll hop in with a couple. I mean, while we're on the subject of the Canadians, I, I jotted this down as a potentially interesting storyline for tomorrow's race, because in addition to Elliot Carden, who you just mentioned, we have Reed Coolset, who's a two-time Olympian, yeah. uh, a 210 marathoner uh, from the Great White North. I'm not sure what part of Canada he's from, but uh, again, yeah, he'll be joining us at the start line of the Black Canyon 100K tomorrow. Going to be very interesting character to watch. Again, Real Reed Coolset is his name. And then a third Canadian who was included in Jeff Stern's little uh, preview that he did for Ultra Running Magazine yesterday. Someone by the name of Brandon Miller, who is apparently been training in Arizona for the last couple of months. So maybe a potential dark horse there, but that's three strong Canadians in yeah, the it field is. on the men's side, in addition to Marianne Hogan and Anne-Marie Madden in the women's race. So the Canadians are coming down for some <laughs> winter sunshine. It's going to be amazing. Yeah, they're, they're going to, they're going to, it's, all prove prove me wrong in my forecast. They're coming from snow. They're coming from cold weather. They're all they're all going to crush it. Um, yeah. So Brandon Miller, he ran in um, 2019 uh, Black Canyon. I don't know. I should have looked this up. I don't know if he finished. Um, but he he was uh, running around where I was, uh, 20 miles into the race, and he's actually had some training runs with uh, Jared Hazen. Uh, on course um, leading cool. up to this, as well as uh, another one I would add to the list, Joey DeFeo. Um, so Joey, I think he's only 
23. He's young. Um, he, he ran at NAU, um, you know, best D one program in the country, uh, got into ultras. Um, he's still newer to it. Um, you know, only has a few results, but certainly having trained as much as he has on the course, I've given him a few pearls of wisdom that I'd like to think will help him. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think he's got a shot at, at getting on that podium. Um, along with, in terms of the, the younger guys, um, with two other names. So Makai Clemens, uh, not many another people. lumberjack, another, another Northern friend. Arizona university lumberjack. That's, that's right. It's like a, it's like a mill up in Flagstaff, man. They just, they churn Top out these down. runners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Makai, he has been, um, in the Marines, uh, since 2018, he was stationed over in South Korea. His last result in terms of ultras was a win at the 2017 Havelina hundred K and, and he ran a, a solid time, but I would say he's a much more developed runner for this sort of distance. Now, mm. um, if you look at his training, it's a little bit intimidating. Uh, I mean, I think he averaged 125 miles a week for I don't know, six or eight weeks. Uh, I think a lot of that was on roads He while he was stationed in South Korea, but um, yeah, certainly putting in the work. Uh, so I think, yeah, definitely uh, Makai, uh, we could see towards the front of that race. And then, um, oh, Debo, this name's escaping me. Um, I believe he just signed with somewhat recently Nike Trail, um, and he was second at Lake Sonoma uh, last year. Oh, uh, you're talking about the young, the youngster Preston. Preston. Yes, Preston yes. So, so just sorry, like Preston. Kinda, we can we can sort of start moving on, but just to bang through some of the other names again, it's an incredibly deep field, and I'm sure we're going to miss a few of the impressive athletes who are in the field tomorrow. But we've touched on most of the favorites. I think some other interesting names are Justin Grunwald, who I think has the pedigree to certainly compete for a golden ticket, if not win the race tomorrow. I think Michelino Sanseri is in the race, also yep. a very strong young athlete. Ryan Montgomery, I think, was on the start list, but I think he, it seems from his Instagram that he's like Nordic skiing in Tahoe right now. So. Yep. I'm skeptical he's going to make the start line, but he would add a, a unique uh, dimension to the race. And then Jackson Brill, Brian yep. Whitfield. Uh, I know Brian Whitfield was sort of challenging the front of the uh, front of the field in 2021, also before dropping out. And then uh, a dark horse from our faithful producer, Mr. Ryan Thrower, Scott Trayer, who's from the Seattle area. Ryan says that this dude is the truth. So. It'll be a, a name that I'll be watching out for tomorrow. Any other sort of names that we missed? I know it's a, it's a lot of names to throw. There are a lot of names. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit overwhelming uh, looking at this. Um, Eric uh, Eric Lapuma, uh, uh, I think so East Coaster. Name. East, East Coaster, Coaster from Vermont. Yeah. So he finished third at uh, JFK last year, five hours, 39 minutes. Um, very, very good time on that course. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, with respect to the course record in Sage Canada, um, Sage came in and, you know, 220 marathon shape, uh, had a lot of speed in his legs, uh, and that translated well. So 539 yeah. at JFK is no joke. Um, so that could certainly translate, uh, yeah. to a good black Canyon. Yeah. And we saw Ellie Pell get a golden ticket at Bandera in January representing the East coast. So maybe Eric Lipuma can, 
return the favor and make uh, the beast coast proud at the black Canyon hundred K. So let's move on to our predictions again. This is intended to be like college game day of ultra running. Yep. So, you know, I'll be Lee Corso, you be Kirk Herb street. Uh, maybe you go first and, and just give us who, who you are predicting is going to take home the victory tomorrow, the black Canyon hundred K. Now I want to say on the women's side, I want to say Claire Gallagher. I hope she wins. I'm a big Claire Gallagher fan. Um, but, uh, I think Addie Bracey is, is my, uh, my pick, uh, for the women's race. Colorado. Okay. From Colorado. Uh, She just won the run rabbit hundred in September of last year in Colorado. And, uh, oh, and she dropped out of Western state. So I'm sure she's hungry to get absolutely. Back. And she's been third at like Sonoma. I mean, that super talent. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I um, that's what I'm going with. What do you Sweet. got? Uh, okay. I'll, I'll go, uh, yeah. On women's side, I had Anne-Marie Madden. Yeah. I'm a big, okay. big fan of hers. If she can handle the heat in the desert as a Canadian, uh, it, I think she's just like mega talented, level-headed and just somebody who's massively consistent. And I think that'll be rewarded in tough conditions tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, who, okay. Let's say we had to pick two of the three, uh, golden tickets. Who, who I would, who, I would who have Claire you Gallagher. You yeah. would have Claire. Yeah, yeah. I think I would too. Yeah. So we got one overlap. Okay, good. <laughs> so let's go to the men. You want yeah. me to go first or, uh, I'll, I'll have you go first, Debo. Okay, I'd like cool. that. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously shot in the dark, you know, just throwing darts at a board blindfolded. There's so many great athletes in both these races, but I'm, I'm just pu- pulling Adrian McDonald out of the hat because I don't know. I was mega impressed by his run at Leadville sort of coming out of nowhere. And then again, to reference Jeff Stern's article in Ultra Running Magazine, uh, which I think was published yesterday digitally, uh, he said that he had been doing some cross-country racing and some road racing in the spring. And as you mentioned earlier, I think that really helps with just leg speed and turnover. And so if he carried the endurance base from the summer months throughout sort of his winter training, I think the injection of some higher intensity training could put him in a really great position to again, take home a a big victory in the desert. So, you know, it's just like more of a gut feeling than anything else. I mean, uh, but I picked, uh, Adrian McDonald. Yeah. Devo that that's courageous. I, I, you're, you're, you're more, I'm more risk adverse. I, I want to like see some, you know, some more history. I mean, I think it's a great pick. Uh, I mean, his Leadville was just, an exceptional run. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. Um, do you, do you want to guess who I'm going to pick? I'm going to pick Jared Hazen. I'm I'm, I'm biased. So, uh, maybe, maybe that doesn't help. He's he's a good buddy. If we had to go too deep, if we had to go too deep, if we had to go too deep, um, I just have, again, I, I think Anthony Costala is, is so good that he can have just like a decent day and get top three. I, I really agree. do. I yeah. totally agree. And those would have been my top three if we were picking the podium uh, yeah. in really in no particular order. Again, we're totally speculating here. It's just fun to prognosticate a little bit, but <laughs> I guess just for the viewing audience in 2021, men's champion, Tyler Green finished in eight hours and six minutes. Women's champion, Brittany Peterson, finished in eight hours and 48 minutes. Neither of them are back. My guess is it'll be a little bit slower this year, just based on the heat. What do you think about that? 
I would think so. that Brittany absolutely laid one down. Dashed it. Yeah. Dude, that was nuts. I yeah. mean, I was at the finish line and 40 minutes behind Tyler. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, so that made it what, thir- uh, 36 minutes behind me, 35 minutes behind me. She came up, her, she was with her, uh, with Cody Lind, who, who was pacing her. Um, and I almost thought that like she was pacing him, but I was like, oh no, that's Cody. I know Cody. He's not in the race. I mean, she smashed it, man. That, that, that time I don't think will get touched tomorrow um, it, with this heat. Uh, in terms of the 806 on the men's side, I could see somebody, I could see somebody getting close to that. Okay. Um, possibly under, yeah, e- even with the warmth. I mean, the year Sage ran 752. Um, am I getting that right, by the way? I, f- I feel like. Uh, we can check later, but it okay. was definitely. Uh, definitely yeah, it was low, low 750s. I yeah. mean, it was, that was a warm year. I, I think it might have been 80, um, the high in Phoenix that year. So I, I think that uh, under 806 is possible. Okay, awesome. Well, dude, this has been so fun. My goodness, the first really Trail Friday in the books, 45 minutes in. Let's sign off by telling the people where you're going to be tomorrow, what you're going to be doing, and how everybody can follow along the action at this awesome race, which really, as we were talking about before we went live, like this feels like the start of the season now, doesn't it? It's like black Canyon is here. The season has officially started. It's time for me to get my lazy ass in shape. Tell everybody where we can watch the race tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Before I do, let me quickly say to you, but I already told you this, you know, face to face, but for the general public, I think this is so cool. Uh, what's being done college game day of ultra running. Come on. Uh, I love it. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I would, uh, uh, love to join anytime. Uh, so thank you for having me, uh, tomorrow we will be going live from these studios. Uh, I guess you can see the black Canyon logo there, uh, from these studios. I'll be with my co-host Rob. Uh, we will be going live at 6 30 AM mountain time, and it will be on the air Viper running YouTube channel. Uh, and that live stream will go and go and go. I will be here for 10 and a half hours. Um, and then it'll continue even after I leave. So, uh, the race kicks off at seven o'clock. Uh, again, we'll go live at six 30 and that's the air Viper running YouTube channel. So, uh, yeah, please, please join us. It'll be a fun day. Heck yeah. So live stream starts at six 30 race starts at seven live stream all freaking day. So try and get your run somewhere during. The- I, I, I scheduled a zero for tomorrow. Yeah. Oh, no, but, but yeah. For, Not but you. For, for others. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you go running, bring your phone, stream the YouTube, get in the chat and yeah. Big shout out to Jamil Curry and the whole team at Aravipa who really started this whole live streaming phenomenon last year at the black Canyon hundred K I'll certainly be glued to it. And uh, yeah, appreciative of everybody over there on the team. Pass along all of our gratitude from the Free Trail Friday crew. For sure. And uh, yeah, we'll be glued to it and uh, look forward to listening to you anchor the coverage. For those watching at home, thank you so much for joining us. The first Free Trail Friday. We've got another fun one planned next week with Mario Fraioli and Sabrina Little and maybe another guest. We haven't quite nailed that down yet, but we're going to talk about kind of the changing landscape in the sport of trail and ultra running. So that'll be next Friday, same time, same place. Massive thank you to Aura Ring. Again, if you guys are in the market for an Aura Ring, these things are so freaking cool, so fun. My wife and I have competitions about our readiness and our sleep quality every morning. And you can get $50 off and six months free subscription at the link in the description of this YouTube. And we're going to put the audio in the podcast feed here this afternoon. We'll also put that link in the podcast 
show notes as well. For Eric Sensman, I'm Dylan Bowman signing off. Good luck tomorrow, buddy. We'll be watching. Thank you. Yeah, it'll be fun. We'll see you.